a well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad you're with me on the program today. Going to be talking with uh, Kansas State Representative Rebecca Schmoy in just a minute or two. You might uh, know Rebecca from her work with One Million Moms Against Gun Control, uh, the D.C. Project as well. And uh, she is, you know, an example of a Second Amendment advocate who decided, you know what, I'm going to step up. I'm going to run for office. She won election to the Kansas State uh, House. And now, now she is introducing a constitutional amendment that would preserve, protect and strengthen our right to keep and bear arms. Again, we'll get to that in just one second. I do want to say thank you to all of the gun owners in Virginia who uh, showed up for the uh, Virginia Citizens Defense League Lobby Day rally at the state capitol in Richmond on Monday. I was uh, honored to be invited to speak by Philip Van Cleve, and it was a a good turnout. Not the, you know, tens of thousands of gun owners that we saw back in 2020. I I suspect that um, there are some gun owners in Virginia, a lot of them who feel like, all right, you know what, things are, we're, we're, we're secure this year, right? Even though Democrats are in charge of both chambers of the legislature, we've got Governor Glenn Youngkin. Uh, He'll be a backstop for any gun control bills. You know, listen, I hope that's the case. Um, He's certainly saying the right things. But, you know, I I would still encourage folks, even if you couldn't make it out to Richmond. And I know we had some, you know, inclement weather coming through the state. It was cold yesterday. Um, You've got to be engaged. You've got to be involved or else we run the risk of really awful bills becoming law in the state of Virginia. So I was encouraged to uh, to see the turnout yesterday. I had a great time talking with so many folks. Want to give a special shout out to Jorge from Fredericksburg, Virginia, who uh, came up to me after uh, the rally was over. We started talking. Jorge is working. He, he would like to get um, he'd like to be involved more in Second Amendment activism, particularly in the Hispanic community. So we were talking about some podcast things of that nature. But uh, it was great to see you, Jorge. Um, I believe, and I'm so sorry if I'm getting your name wrong, but I believe it was Peggy. Was 80 years old. Her husband couldn't make it there yesterday, but she was there. She was so excited to get a picture with uh, Eric Pratt from GOA, Jared Yanis of Guns and Gadgets, and myself. Uh, she was just over the moon, and she said her husband would be thrilled, too. It was great seeing her. It was great seeing uh, old friends like uh, Greg Trajan uh, and meeting, again, some new friends as well. Uh, Dan Wass, uh, another old friend who was there from New York, came and spoke. It was a good turnout. Uh, And again, congratulations to the VCDL for uh, bringing more gun owners out than gun control advocates were able to bring out to the state capitol on Monday afternoon. All right. So um, if you want more uh, reporting on the Lobby activities, I did write something for Bearing Arms. It's up there at BearingArms.com. But right now, let's turn our attention to what's going on in the state of Kansas. Again, a pretty pro-gun state that could become even more supportive of the right to keep and bear arms going forward. Take a look and a listen. Representative, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. It's good to see you again. It is always good to see you, Cam. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Apologies for the background noise here. I have snow falling off my roof uh, while we're doing the interview. Um, So this is big news. You know, Kansas is a pretty pro-gun state. But as we've seen around the country, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter what protections are already in place. We've seen abuses by the courts. We've seen lawmakers just ignore the clear language of state constitutions. So tell me about the proposed constitutional amendment uh, that you have outlined and what it would mean for Kansas gun owners. Okay, so obviously we're seeing attacks on our rights at every state 
across the board. Um, we even had four of our own state legislators go to Kamala Harris's summit on how to infringe on your rights at the state level back in December. And so Kansas is not immune. A lot of people say, well, we're, we're safe here in Kansas. Everything's fine here in Kansas. We don't really need to worry about our gun laws. We absolutely do. Um, the constitutional amendment that we are proposing, that we need two thirds of the body, both in the House and in the Senate to vote for, would protect, it would actually clarify the language of uh, using uh, possession and use of ammunition, firearms accessories, and firearm components. We also tie in language, the actual shall not be infringed because that is not currently in Kansas section four. So we're going to tie that into the federal level. And then we are also adding the strict scrutiny standard so that regardless of what happens down the road, if, if the state decides to infringe on our rights moving forward, um, they would be held to the standard of initially first blush, it's unconstitu unconstitutional to do that. And so then they would have to prove that there is a good reason and not just a preference that they want to establish a new gun law. And so we're really trying to set it up to where Kansas can get out of the loop that so many states are in, where we are dealing with litigation and legislation on gun rights every session. So we're trying to set it up for future generations to not have to worry about that. That would be a welcome relief for those future generations, uh, as well as maybe you know some members of the current generation uh, who, who uh, you know, I, I was just in Richmond yesterday, the state capital for the Virginia Citizens Defense League's Lobby Day rally. And, you know, I even told the folks there, I said, look, I don't want to be here today. You probably don't want to be here today. But the reason why we had to be here today is because we've got people in that building behind us who view us as a problem that needs to be solved. Right. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, you've got uh, attacks not just on the Second Amendment, but on the folks who are exercising their Second Amendment right. And I would note it was a right that we're talking about. Uh, Washington State, we've got a bill that would impose an, a 11 uh, percent tax on uh, gun owners for the privilege, they say, representative of using ammunition. Right. Not talking yeah, about I, I was really happy that we actually worked the word ammunition into this yeah. constitutional amendment and then uh, almost immediately that rolled out. And so I was like, are you kidding? This is well, that sets us up perfectly to explain why this is a problem. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, so what kind of feedback are you getting from your colleagues right now? Overwhelming support. Uh, not only do we have several co-sponsors on the amendment itself, like I said, we need a two thirds vote, both in the House and the Senate. So in the House, that looks like 84 votes. So we need 84 out of 125. That's daunting and it's set up that way on purpose. You don't just wanna go in and start messing with the state constitution just on a whim. And so we actually, last time I checked, we were well over 60 co-sponsors before it even got a bill number. And so we're only, we've only been adding to that since then. And then on the Senate side, we need 27 votes. 
And I believe that we have several of our constituents that have already reached out to both their House rep and their senator, urging them to pass this to get it onto the general election ballot. I continuously tell everybody that I talk to as far as my colleagues that might be someone who is who is closer to the fence than some of the other ones. This is our opportunity as representatives, as legislators to step out of the way and let Kansans have their own voice on this. There is no reason to stand in the way. We don't need gatekeepers in Kansas when it comes to determining what language is in our constitution. We absolutely have the ability to go in and, and decide for ourselves as constituents. And so I'm hoping that regardless of side, people understand that this is your opportunity to prove out what it is that you say that you believe. This is your opportunity as a legislator that if you strongly believe that there is no appetite for strengthening our section four, for clarifying the language in our section four, then let the constituents prove it. If you believe that most people want gun control, this is your opportunity to step out of the way and allow people to make their own voice heard on the matter. And if you're someone like me that understands that Kansas by far is a, let me do what I wanna do, just leave me alone, stay out of my business, don't infringe on my rights state, then let those people speak. I know that I represent some people who don't agree with me when it comes to the second amendment. Most of the people in my district do. But the people who don't, they deserve to have an opportunity to have their own vote counted and their voice heard on the matter. You know, it's a really, I think it's a really well thought out argument um, because we do hear all the time from uh, gun control advocates that they're the ones with the, you know, the majority of Americans on their side, right? 90% of Americans support these common sense, reasonable gun safety laws. All right. Well, now's your chance to uh, to test out that hypothesis in the state of Kansas, right? Uh, let, let's see just how popular some of these "quote unquote" common sense gun control laws are, as opposed to um, what I think is a much more common sense approach of uh, again clarifying that uh, our right to keep and bear arms includes things like ammunition, right? Because otherwise, you've got a club, not a firearm. Uh, firearm components, firearm accessories. Um, and I do really appreciate the uh, the inclusion of strict scrutiny language. We've seen this in Iowa as well. About 66% of uh, Iowa voters approve that language. I think it was back in 2022. Um, and, you know, the Supreme Court has their their own Bruin test, right? The, uh, the, the text history and tradition test. Frankly, I, I like the test, but we've also seen how that's been abused by the courts around the country. So the idea that we're going to hold gun control laws to the highest legal standard, right? The same standard we apply to First Amendment uh, challenges, things of that nature. That to me is a reasonable step to take. Absolutely. To confirm I, the importance of our right to keep and bear arms here. It is shocking uh, just across the board, regardless of what state you're in. It's shocking that it's not our already set up that way, that our rights are not already set up and that we have to add that in to the strict scrutiny. But that's where we are right now. 
we, it has been whittled away so much that we are in a place right now that we need to spell it out, that this is the standard that we are setting. Should we have to clarify? Should all of this just be common sense? Of course, it should be common sense. However, whenever I carried the bill last year, and, and we actually won, <laughs> we, we got it um, passed to remove the state fee from concealed carry so that mm -hmm. you're not having to pay for permission, even though we're a constitutional carry state. When we were doing that, the other side, the, the anti-right side, brought four different amendments while I carried that bill on the House floor and I had to call germaneness on all four. Now we won germaneness on all four, but they are after our rights. The, it is under attack, whether you're in Kansas or Washington state or Massachusetts, oh my gosh. But you know, I our rights are under attack. They shouldn't be. I, all of us Second Amendment people go, well, of course, ammunition is covered. Of course, components, of course, accessories. I mean, obviously, well, it's not that obvious. And that's why we're clarifying language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, you're exactly right. It's obvious to us, but to folks who don't view, listen, there are folks, unfortunately, uh, in state capitals and in courtrooms around the country who refuse to acknowledge the plain language of the Second Amendment. They don't think it's a right, right? They think it's a, a wrong. They think it's some sort of, you know, societal evil that needs to be curbed. Um, and so they will misread. Uh, the Constitution. And listen, I, 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 not to take anything away from you, but Rebecca, this is not a foolproof uh, uh, a lock that the that this won't be infringed and, and and you know abridged upon. But that doesn't mean that putting these extra barriers in place is a bad thing, right? No, nothing is going to be perfect when you've got an activist judge uh, who is willing to subvert the Constitution in order to. Uh, put down an anti-gun opinion. Nothing is going to stop a, a anti-gun lawmaker who's willing to uh, ignore existing statutes uh, in order to pass a bill that we know is going to be challenged in court, right? But this is a stopgap measure. So when that happens, you now have, again, listen, judge, you've got to use strict scrutiny. It doesn't matter if you don't think this is a real right, right? This is a protection and it is a valuable protection for our right to keep and bear arms. Nothing is going to stop. There's not a single piece of legislation that you or anybody else can pass out there that's going to make this issue disappear and go away and we win. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. we have to put those, we have to put these, these, these building blocks in place so that we can again secure this right, as you say, for generations to come uh, and at least provide a more solid footing for us to fight these legal fights uh, and these legislative battles. Oh, absolutely. Just like we say all the time, whenever it comes to training or whether, you know, you're talking to someone who is thinking, maybe I want to learn what armed life is like, just like uh, protection uh, from abuse order is just a piece of paper. That's all legislation is as well. It's just words on a page until it's applied. And so I, what we are after here in Kansas is trying to mitigate the part of um, the punishment is in the process. We are trying to mitigate how much of the process they're going to be able to use against us as a punishment. That's a fantastic way of putting it. Um, all right, so what can gun owners in Kansas, 
and maybe even gun owners outside of Kansas uh, do right now to help get the word out. Uh, is there a bill number for this now officially? There will be today okay. because it was it was uh, presented that we needed co-sponsors last week in the first week of session. It was really hit the ground running here. <laughs> and then um, so today it was read in. And so it should have a bill number this afternoon. And then we actually have a hearing coming up in our federal and state affairs committee. Um, let's see, on the 23rd. So while all my friends are off at SHOT Show and having a good time and, and doing the things, I am going to be standing in a committee hearing talking about gun laws in Kansas. So I will miss everybody terribly, but there's work to do and I'm I'm here to do it. Is it Vegas, Topeka? I mean, come on, it's, you know, right? Uh, but for the record, I, I, I you know what? Come back on the show because I'm not going to Las Vegas this year uh, for SHOT Show. So I, too, will be uh, at home defending our Second Amendment rights. So um, will you come back on the show after that hearing and, oh, and let's talk again? Yeah, okay. I, will, I would love to update you on what's going on. And um, as far as what people can do right now, if you are a Kansan and you want to submit testimony, then contact me here at the Capitol um, Let's see, it's Rebecca Dotchmoy at house.kansas.gov is incredibly long, but contact me here. I will I will send you the, the actual link and how to submit testimony, whether you want to send it in via email and just have it be read, um, not in the process, but actually by the people on the committee or whether you want to come in person and testify, which is the most effective way that you can do this. It is super easy to just scroll through an email. When you have to, as a legislator, look someone in the eye while they are there expressing their strongly held belief is far more impactful. And so either way, whatever it is, that you want to do as far as submitting testimony and explaining why this is important to you to have it on the ballot. Um, that's that's probably the most effective thing we can do right now. Mm -hmm. If you happen to be in the Topeka area on the 23rd, mm -hmm. then uh, we will have the hearing in Fedden State on the House side, and it will be at nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I, let me just, let me throw this out there too. Tell me if you think this would be helpful. Obviously folks need to be contacting their state representatives, their state senators. Should they contact their County Sheriff? Should they contact their, I don't know if it's board of supervisors, but whatever the County level of government you have in uh, Kansas, should they contact those folks too? Because you know, one of the things that we've seen in California, Massachusetts uh, as well, um, police chiefs and sheriffs coming out against these gun control measures. So would it be helpful to try to get law enforcement on board uh, to get local governments on board and say, hey, you know what, we want this on the ballot in November? Honestly, it is helpful to contact anybody that is in your area, okay. whoever it is that is in your, whether it's your district, whether it's your county, it would be helpful to contact any of them, your local election clerk, and say, hey, I heard that this is likely going to be on the ballot on in the general election. And then go a step further with your uh, with your election clerk and say, how can I help? 
That way you get plugged into the system. Everybody wants to complain about the election process. Everybody wants to question what's going on with elections. This is the perfect time to say, I heard this will likely be on the general ballot I, and I want to help. What can I do to help? I promise you, your local elections clerk will put you to work. And most likely that's going to look like you are going to be in, whether it's in our presidential primary that we have in March and helping out with that, whether it's our regular primary that we have or whether it's the actual general election, they will find a spot to plug you in so that you can see what elections look like from the inside. For all of us who are rights passionate, for all of us who put so much time and effort into protecting our rights and educating other people on our rights, it is so important that you see the process of elections from the inside. If you have any kind of questions, that really helps clear it up. Before I ever ran for office, I actually worked elections and it was eye-opening. Uh, speaking of you running for election, uh, you know, when you ran the first time, you and I spoke and you said that basically there was nobody else. You saw nobody else stepping up uh, and you decided, all right, well, I guess the burden falls on me. Um, you're just now starting your uh, your your, your uh, last year of your first term. So I have to ask, are you going to be on the ballot this year? Are you running for reelection? I have not signed to run yet. I have not gone and put my name on the line yet. Okay. Uh, this is a huge responsibility. It takes four months and we're not even talking about the off session where you're still running and doing all the things without getting paid for it. Yeah. It takes four months of your life from your significant other, from your kids, from your community, from my real job that I do from in banking. Right. Um, I'm in the same position that I, uh, that I was originally. I don't see anyone stepping up that I firmly trust that will honor and prevent infringement on my rights as much as I know I will. And I don't do that for people who think like me, who have the same viewpoint as me. I don't protect rights for people who align with my political views. I protect rights for everyone. Um, if you disagree with me, I want you to have the same rights. I don't want to infringe on your right to freedom of speech. I don't want to infringe on your second amendment. Should you choose six months from now, 10 years from now to exercise that right, I want to ensure that it is here for you to do that. It's not, it's not enough for me to come in and I, I'm the Republican in the race. I want to be the person in the race who is willing to put that four months of my own life on pause so that I make sure that our rights are handed to the next generation. Reagan talked about it and he was absolutely right. It's not passed down in the bloodstream. We have to protect what we have. We have to gain back what we've lost and we have to train up the next generation to be ready to take that on 
after we're gone. And so should I put my name on the line? That's, that is what I'm in it for. That's, that's the entire goal. Well, listen, I, 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 I appreciate the sacrifices that you've made. And I know that there are real sacrifices that are being made. Um, I will say that you are the type of person we need in elected office. We need people like you with that attitude of, again, I really don't want to be here. <laughs> I'd rather somebody else step up and do this. But um, if that person isn't around, then I'm going to step up and I'm going to represent my constituents. Uh, and I think that's very important, too. You know, we do live in a, a day and age where we have, I think, deepening political divides. Um, and, and you know, rightfully so, right? We have honest disagreements on any number of issues. But the way that you have spoken about the people of your district, every time that we've spoken and, and had the chance to talk since since you announced your, your first run for office, the respect that you show every member uh, of your constituency, um, I, I think it's it's very valuable, and I, I hope that uh, I hope that the members of the, the, the residents in your district, I hope they understand that it is special. It shouldn't be. I mean, really, what you say should be coming out of the mouth of every politician, but that's not the case. Um, and so I, you know, Rebecca, obviously, I have a lot of respect for you as a Second Amendment advocate, but um, I have a lot of respect for you as a politician, and. I don't have a lot of respect for a lot of politicians. So I, I you know. all the time. I hate government. I got into government because I hate government. It it needs to change. It it needs to get back to original intent. We need to have representatives instead of politicians. We we desperately need that. We need constituents to understand that we are we the people and that these rights apply to us and we need to start acting like it. And so I greatly appreciate that. I, I appreciate your, your kind words there. And I know that it's, it's hard and it's a lot, but. Listen, I'm really not trying to talk into, run, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk into running again. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not asking for a definitive statement here. In fact, if you want, I'll go to your district. I'll start knocking on doors and say, Hey, is there anybody who can do as good a job as Rebecca's done? I'll, I'll try to find it. you somebody that you can that trust. <laughs> <laughs> Door knocking is that's, that's a real thing. And that's coming up uh, here in a couple months. If I, if I decide to run again, and honestly, it's one of those, all right, God, what's what's the plan? What are you doing? And if if you need me, send me, I will go, because that's what it was last time. Well, we're going to be following uh, your decision making very closely, uh, as well as the soon to be named or soon to be uh, a numbered constitutional amendment uh, that you have introduced here. Uh, Rebecca Schmoy, Representative Rebecca Schmoy, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you for everything that you're doing there in the state legislature. And I look forward to welcoming you back while all of our friends are hanging out in Las Vegas at SHOT Show. Perfect. I, I will be happy to join you and then we can commiserate together. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. State Representative Rebecca Schmoy from the great state of Kansas joining us here today on Barry and Arms Cam and Company. My thanks to uh, Representative, I almost, I almost called her by her first name, uh, Representative Schmoy. 
for joining us on the program today. Looking forward to having her back again in the very near future. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, uh, and our recidivist report. We will start there with a disturbing story out of Ascension, Paris, Louisiana. Donaldson man arrested and slain a woman and their infant child, according to the Ascension Parish Sheriff's Office. And again, somebody who, well-known to local authorities, 39-year-old Calvin Forsell, arrested on Sunday, booked early Monday, in the slains of 41-year-old Christina Lynn Artis and her daughter, 1-year-old Kaylee Forsell. Calvin Forsell, according to the uh, New Orleans Times-Picayune, is a convicted felon with a prior history of firearms, drug, and criminal damage charges. As well as allegations of ch- firing a gun onto property, he was actually on probation at the time for some of those past convictions. He also had a bench warrant that had been issued for his arrest for missing a mandatory court date in Ascension, Paris, five days before the shooting. Sheriff Bobby Weber said in a statement that the mother and child were shot at close range. Investigators believe that the shooting was a domestic violence incident. According to the Times-Picayune, at the time of the slayings, Forsell had been on probation for a February 2023 gun conviction for a 2020 property shooting. Forsell admitted to firing a gun into the window of a trailer home on October 28th of 2020. He was allowed to plead guilty to illegal weapons and gun possession counts. That plea deal reached less than two months before he was arrested again uh, earlier this year over an alleged shooting at the Magnolia Crossings Apartments. In that shooting, Gonzalez, Louisiana police officers accused him of firing nine times into the passenger side door of a vehicle on May 24th of 2022. Um, that shooting captured on video surveillance. For sale wasn't picked up by Gonzalez police until almost a year later, April 10th of last year. He had um, just started two years probation in February of 2023. But he was released on $80,000 bail four days after his arrest in April. And then on January 9th of this year, Forzell missed a mandatory court date for a check of his uh, payment of fines and fees stemming from the two years probation. Bench warrant was out for his arrest at the time of the murders on Sunday. Forzell was also due back in court today for a hearing on the charges that he was facing from the Magnolia Crossing shooting in 2022, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and civil criminal damage to property. So it doesn't appear that there was anybody inside that vehicle uh, at the time. But again, we know that to Mr. Forsell, the beneficiary of at least one plea deal on the part of prosecutors there in Ascension, Paris, uh, now facing charges not only of a felon in possession, but two counts of first-degree murder, unauthorized entry, simple burglary, felony theft of a motor vehicle, and illegal use of weapons. Today's Armed Citizen story from Harris County, Texas. And I did write about this at Tiberian Arms earlier today as well, but uh, it is worth highlighting because one of the things that I talked about in my uh, speech at the uh, Lobby Day Rally on Monday so the fact that some of these gun control bills that are introduced may have good intentions behind them, right? I, I You know, you look at something like a, a waiting period bill, and we've got two competing waiting period bills in Virginia right now. One, a three-day waiting period, another five-day waiting period. Now, are, are those bills about disarming gun owners forevermore? No, they're not. The uh, stated intention behind these bills is, well, we want to give people a cooling off period, right? Uh, so if you buy a gun as an impulsive purchase, maybe you want to go out and commit a crime, maybe you want to take your own life. If you got to wait three days, five days, 10 days, 14 days, however long you have to wait, 
Um, by the time you get possession of that firearm, then hopefully, you know, you will have calmed down and any rash actions that you are considering, uh, you won't act on, on those impulses. Now, research doesn't really show that there's a big benefit to waiting periods. But there are also a lot of unintended consequences. Uh, and I mentioned in my speech on Monday, what about the single mom who has an abusive ex? She's very concerned about a series of escalating threats. She decides that she wants to purchase a firearm for her protection, protection of her kids. And she's told, come back in five days. Yeah, your background check cleared. You're, you're, you're good to go, but we have to make you wait five days before you can take possession of that firearm. Why should she have to be defenseless for five days? Even though a background check has come back clear, because gun control advocates have arbitrarily imposed that sort of limit. Now, I don't know how long the subject of this uh, armed citizen story was a gun owner. I know she lives in the state of Texas where there are no waiting periods. And I do know that thankfully she was armed for her protection when her estranged husband tried to force his way into uh, the home with a gun early Tuesday morning. Again, we don't have a lot of details about this case because it is so new. Uh, but Gonzalez, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Ed Gonzalez, the uh, sheriff in Harris County, said that officers were called about uh, 1 a.m. Uh, to a home near Humble, Texas. He said that there have been several police reports made in the days leading up to the shooting about the situation. And then early this morning, the man is accused of kicking in the back door of the home and then trying to get inside uh, while armed. He had a handgun with him. The woman. Uh, inside the home, shot and killed her estranged husband as he was trying to come through the door. The woman was detained at the scene, spoke with law enforcement. Sheriff says that no charges are expected to be filed. The case will be presented to a grand jury. But uh, at this point, again, all indications are this was an act of self-defense. And I am so grateful that she was able to protect herself. And again, maybe she is a longtime gun owner, right? Maybe waiting periods wouldn't have applied in this case. But that is not going to be the case in every one of these incidents. There are going to be people who decide, you know what? I've never owned a gun before, but I think I need to own a gun now because I'm concerned about my safety. I'm concerned about what's going to happen to my kids. Things are getting worse. Why should those people, why should their rights be suspended for any amount of time? Just because gun control advocates say so. Again, there are unintended consequences to even well-intentioned gun control bills and depriving people of their ability to protect themselves. Well, that can be a life-ending consequence. Now, today's good deed of the day. In the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. A uh, young man in Athens, Georgia, who uh, came to the aid of two individuals in a uh, house fire over the weekend um, this comes from a uh, classic city news. Uh, Joe Johnson reporting says uh, Stephen Ford and Gabby Stanley were driving to Ford's home Saturday morning and they saw black smoke billowing from a house across the street. Stephen Ford jumped into action, found out that people were actually still inside that home. They were yelling for help while Gabby Stanley called 911 and told the dispatcher what was going on. Ford ran to the back door. It was locked. He ended up having to kick in the door of that home. A young boy then ran out. 
of the uh, home, the 20-year-old construction worker heard somebody else inside yelling for help. And so Ford says he reached in to the smoke-filled room until he felt and grabbed a woman and was able to pull her out of the uh, smoke and the flames. Another passerby had also stopped to help, uh, but uh, Classic City News says they were not able to learn their identity. Gabby Stanley helped to comfort the 49-year-old woman who was crying about her father still being inside. The blaze too intense for anybody to help at that point. Stanley said, I ran to them to help comfort them, hug the mom while she was crying in my arms. It was the saddest thing ever knowing that the grandpa was still inside. Even firefighters, when they first arrived, were unable to enter the structure. They had to uh, fight the flames from outside. And unfortunately, the woman's elderly father did pass away in the blaze. But two other lives were saved as a result of the actions of Ford and Gabby Stanley. And again, that unknown Good Samaritan in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. So Stephen Ford, Gabby Stanley, we thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always, of course. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you covered with all of the latest 2A news that you need to know about. And if you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member. All you have to do, go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your membership. We're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Is our way of saying thanks for showing your support. If you become a VIP Gold member, you get to uh, take part in all kinds of great live chats. You get exclusive uh, coverage throughout the Town Hall Media family of websites. Hot Airs at Morrissey and I will be doing our weekly VIP Gold live chat on Wednesday, 1.30 Eastern. Would love for you to be a part of it. Again, all you have to do go to BarronArms.com slash subscribe. Have a great rest of your 2A Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well. Be safe and be free.